All right, everyone, come on in and find a seat. And we'll get started. Come on in. Come on in, find a seat, and as we mentioned in the first hour, we are delighted to have for our second hour as well, uh, Jeremy Roy and his wife Amy, and in this hour, Jeremy is going to uh, talk about uh, their work and update us on what they're doing in the transition that they're going through from the Dominican Republic to, to Spain. So I'll turn it over to him in a moment, uh, but at the beginning and at the end of this time, uh, I, want, I need to mention to our men, men, We need your help for tomorrow's picnic, the Memorial Day picnic, because most of you know we always set up a gigantic tent out on the south side of the property, and that tent requires some some guys to help set it up. So if, guys, you can hang around uh, after, as soon as we're done, if you go to the south side of the building, uh, straight back, straight back this way, out those doors, then we'll set up the tent, and if we get a bunch of guys, we can do it in fairly short order, okay? So tent set up, I'll mention that uh, after we're finished here. Jeremy, if you'll come. Well, good morning again. Uh, I want to reiterate and say again, it's a joy to be with you, to have the opportunity to, well, first of all, to have opened the Word uh, with you, but now to present uh, our ministry, and we're very grateful for your partnership in the gospel. Uh, As I... Uh, present before I talk about the Dominican and also uh, what we're going to do in Spain. Just want to give uh, a few uh, comments as a way of reminder that you may already know. Uh, Amy grew up in Spain. Her parents have been there 38 years as missionaries. They'll retire there, and so Amy already knows the language. Well, it's the same language as the Dominican, but the accent and she knows the culture as well. And uh, I also have uh, lived in Spain before, so I uh, had an undergrad in international business and a Hispanic studies minor. I decided to to go to Spain to study. I was not a believer at the time. My dad is a pastor, so I was a rebellious young man running away from the Lord. And I thought, you know what? I still went to church right out out of respect for my parents to lay low because I was in the household. But I was like, this is the year where it just kind of stopped going to church and I was going to a beach town in Spain. I'm just going to party it up and have some fun. And my dad, uh, one more time, right, trying to put me in the path of truth uh, through a connection, reached out to a friend of his and uh, I ended up through that missionary connection living uh, in an elderly Christian couple's home at a five-minute walk away from the church. And the teen's invited me to play soccer on Friday. Uh, Then they also invited me to the youth group on Saturday. And two months into being in Spain, I had repented of my sins. So I came to know the Lord in Spain. I met my wife in Spain afterwards, and I I learned Spanish. So it was a pretty good year for me. Um, I'm just grateful for for God's grace. And so I know the language. I don't know the culture fully. It takes four or five years to learn the culture, but God's put us Uh, in the path of Spain. So we're excited about uh, going there as missionaries, though it was not planned, uh, really. 
Another thing I want to say is uh, in our prior mission, we had a similar statement with a different emphasis that you have on the screen uh, that way. I'm looking at that one. Uh, training nationals and assisting in church planting was what our statement used to say to strengthen and multiply churches. So there's a reverse emphasis, right? Church planting and training nationals. And why so? Our philosophy has not changed. What has changed is the need presented to us by the locals. So that's why uh, there's a change there. So uh, starting with the Dominican, I had the privilege to lead the revitalization of International Baptist Seminary. Have this in English uh, for you guys, but everything's in Spanish, right? Uh, Seminario Bautista Internacional. That is a picture of our last graduation, August 29th, 2021. And uh, why we went, it's obvious, right? We go based on the mandate. God commands us to go, right? Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything, everything that was commanded, and I'm with you always till the end of the age. And so we focused on a particular component of the Great Commission. We focused on the Second Timothy 2.2 component, which is the, fits into the teaching them to observe everything that was commanded. And so entrust these things to faithful men who will teach others also. So we're focusing on uh, the leadership transition uh, aspect of the Great Commission, passing the baton from one generation to the next, basically the ministry of seeing the church of tomorrow as church to a good degree has entrusted uh, that, uh, that aspect of the Great Commission to seminaries and Bible colleges, so having them as uh, means to help the church accomplish the Great Commission. So we worked in uh, a Bible college, uh, helping the Dominicans to transition to the next generation of leadership. The reason why was a roughly 30 church association uh, had a Bible institute, and they were asking for help for someone to come lead it. We volunteered, and our mission was, well, for me as the president there, uh, to transform that or lead the transformation of that to more of a Bible college level. And we're grateful that that actually happened by God's grace. And uh, when we started, it was a rather informal training. On Saturdays, it had a couple professors teach, a couple hours each, and uh, very few academic requirements. It was in one location in southeastern Dominican Republic, the city of La Romana. This is a picture of the church where the classes were held, the church where we attended uh, five years and were members uh, there five years. So yeah, about two... Uh, about 20 students, pardon me, and there are two institute-trained professors. And so there are other professors scattered around the country that didn't work together for various reasons, and uh, our work was to get them to work together as kind of a facilitator as the, the president of the seminary, and got put together, God put together a really neat work, uh, 18 professors, uh, 15 of whom are Dominicans, and so it's a largely local uh, institution. All of the professors have master's degrees and a handful are working on doctorates or have doctorates. And so we also have uh, six locations. Prior to the pandemic, those were actual physical locations and uh, we just struggled to go back to that model fully because it's uh, culturally, there's various reasons why it's way easier to stay online. So the travel, well, 
it's, it's everywhere, but there are particular reasons culturally why so. So anyhow, still six campuses. Those are just classrooms in churches, so it's not like we have big campuses. And we have students in three countries, but mostly in the Dominican. So a handful of students in Grand Rapids uh, through a connection that we have with a Hispanic church there, and also a student in Venezuela. There's about 70 students. It ranged from like 60 to 80, so roughly 70 students. Two undergraduate programs, one for pastors and one for uh, whoever else desires to study, men or women who uh, want to get uh, a Bible education. And uh, we also established a board of directors. There's 10 men there. Uh, there are seasoned leaders and uh, respected leaders in the country. And nine of the 10 are Dominicans. So it's a largely, uh, the school is largely governed by Dominicans. And so we were grateful to have been a part of that work uh, over the past five years. This is our uh, handsome faculty. I'm lacking a picture there. I wasn't able to find it online. Uh, the guy in the top left, he and I basically built the school together. He was the dean, I was the president, so we were the administration, the core administration uh, together. And uh, he now is the president. It was a natural transition as you know, he knows the board, he knows the professors, he knows the students, they know him, and he's also a capable guy. So we're grateful uh, that God uh, allowed for a good transition so far. That's uh, a great blessing though we had an unplanned departure to th see things continue. We're very grateful to the Lord for that. Uh, on the bottom right, uh, Heidi Van Dyke, our other co-worker. So there's us three foreigners, right? The rest are Dominicans. And uh, she has a master's in education, teaches education classes. Our locations in the DR, there's two in the capital city, one west, one east uh, location. It's Big city, three, three, million, three million and something inhabitants. And so for traffic reasons, two locations are very helpful. Uh, a city of Atomayor, the top central city. The bottom right is where we lived, La Romana. And then the easternmost point is where you guys want to go in February. That's the tourist location, Punta Cana, Bávaro. Uh, so in the city of Bávaro, we have a location there and then Grand Rapids in Venezuela. So again, I kind of already hinted at how the school is doing, grateful for a good transition. Uh, we weren't able to hire a, a full-time guy to replace me, so what we did is divided my job into, into five. Uh, the current guy who was the dean couldn't just like take on a, another full-time job. He took on the governance, so that's uh, casting the vision, mission, and accomplishing it for the school, board of director meetings, and then we divided marketing, so overseeing marketing, registration, admissions, and finances. Not doing those, but overseeing those and putting those on four other people's work plates as ministries. So uh, we do have a very low-cost institution. And by God's grace, that allows us to operate with national funds to, for the majority of uh, what we need. But there's still our needs. And uh, so that's how things have carried on. And uh, we're grateful that we've seen good ownership indicators. By that, I mean two important churches have stepped up and said that they wanted to help the school financially. And it's not exactly a cultural thing because it's a... Uh, I don't know if I want to get into this, but we live here in a, a different kind of culture. There, it's a patron-client patron culture. So you have very few people who have something. Most people have nothing at all. 
And uh, so usually you try to connect yourself to a patron. The ideology there is you can't make it on your own. Over here, it's, it's what? Make it on your own. You know, start from rags to riches. You can, and we're an independent country, relatively uh, speaking. And so uh, financially, they usually depend on patrons because they have nothing. Most of the people don't have much. And that reflects itself as well internationally. You know, they have family members in the States that send money because you can't do much normally, even if you're smart. You have to have good connections, be born in the right family. And so uh, we're grateful that despite that, uh, you know, foreigner-established or led institution, the locals have still stepped up to, to own their school, and it means a lot uh, to see that as we leave. Uh, there's still needs, right? Uh, so we ask for prayer for the needs to be met and also for the school to continue strong. <clears throat> so now, uh, shifting to talk about Spain, following the same outline, right? Why we're going, the starting point, the finish line. But before that, uh, I think there's an important question I have to answer, right? We left the DR because of medical reasons, so why do we think we can go to another country, right? Uh, as missionaries. There are two particular reasons we left. Uh, we left the Dominican. Uh, initially, we were going to try to stay even within the, the first reason, though that was a bad idea. But we left because uh, there was only one specialist for Amy's condition, and she malpracticed on her. And so we didn't, naturally, we didn't trust her. And I thought, well, we're going to try to just, you know, find an MS specialist in the States and uh, travel once or twice a year. Um, and then we found out a few months after that Amy was allergic to mold. And you have to understand it's almost impossible to find housing without mold in the Dominican. It's a very hot, humid environment in which mold thrives. But beyond that, normally there's poor roofing, and so you get water infiltrations, and it's like a, a perfect wedding there for a mold feast. So uh, the two homes that we rented had visible mold in them, and basically the homes of every person in the church that we, we visited, right? So uh, that closed the door. That's when we understood we have to, to leave the Dominican. And I think that God has moved us out, though we were committed there, uh, to have the locals take even more ownership than they have because they, uh, they're very involved in that school. So that's my understanding uh, of this. Uh, making the work more local. As we go to Spain, of course, it's for the Great Commission, but looking to medical things, uh, there are many specialists for Amy's condition, and also there's better housing, and it's a much less humid environment where we're headed. So that's, that's that. Uh, that answers uh, that, that problem. So <clears throat> speaking of Spain, before why we go, what we're going to start and, and finish there, uh, a little more background information. Spain has a Catholic background. Uh, in 1975, a dictator named Franco passed away. In 1978, the Spaniards rewrote their constitution with uh, religious liberty. And since then, there's been a steady decline from the Roman Catholicism religion imposed onto them. And you're looking at the numbers, you're like, well, I don't know how steady of a decline that is, right? You still have 77%. Catholics, but there's a huge portion, that's why I have a, that in bold on the screen, uh, of that 77 that is nominal. That effectively, they're irreligious in practice. It's like, I mean, you maybe you have a Catholic background. I come from a, a place, right, Quebec, Canada, where it's ex-Catholic. 
It's like, yeah, I'm Catholic, and what does that mean? It's like, well, I went to Mass a few times with my grandmother, and I guess I'm Catholic, or I was baptized, yeah, and like, it doesn't mean anything. Like, in practice, you, you're agnostic or atheist. So you have roughly 80, 80 plus percent of the population that is non-religious, and a decreasing 15, 17% of the population that is Catholic. And so then 2.4% Muslim, 1% all the other religions combined together, and only 1% evangelicals. And that includes conservative and broad. And so you could say perhaps that less than 1% uh, is evangelical. And that reflects a great need in the church. Uh, that's what I was told. There's a great, a great need in the Spanish church. So uh, another thing uh, I wanted to mention in a congregation like this, which in Spain they're much smaller uh, usually, uh, it would not be abnormal to have half of the congregation or, or more even be immigrants. Uh, Spain is very resistant to the gospel. And so you have immigrants go to countries, why? Because there's a better lifestyle there. And there's many, many immigrants, right, to the States. They come from South America for geographic and also economic reasons. Well, they go to Spain as well, because most South and Central American countries speak Spanish. And the first, or the only country that's, you know, economically a first world country in the world is Spain that speaks Spanish. So you have many South Central Americans that flock to Spain. Uh, and the thing is, their countries have had much, a, much more of a, an impact, uh, have received much more of a gospel footprint than Spain. So uh, that results in many uh, foreigners in the church. And it's a good thing. It's encouraged the Spaniards to see more Christians. Uh, but it also reflects the fact that you know, maybe you could say half of a percent are, are Spaniards that are Christians, and there's a lack of a next generation of Spaniards in the leadership for the next generation. And for us, since we've lived in a South American, well, a Caribbean, but Caribbean South American-ish culture, it also uh, allows us to have more open doors understanding that culture. And so uh, I thought that was worthy of mention there. And there's also... Africa that geographically migrates to, to Spain. So why we go? Well, the same reason, right? God is building his church, and so we, we go and work in the church. Uh, we're just messengers and sow seed, and God, God does his work. Uh, sow seed, we water, and he, he gives the growth. I talked with 10 different guys, five Spaniards, five missionaries, and all of them basically said the same thing. And one of them in, comes to mind in particular. He used to uh, preside over a Bible institute. And he said, Jeremy, you just don't understand how great the need is in the church. As I was prodding about theological education, church planting. And um, so that's what they all said and assumed. Uh, work in church planting and establishing churches. Uh, passing the baton to nationals. And uh, I... I have had a desire to serve in more of a pastoral role. I've told that to one of our professors in the Dominican. And what's kept me out of the church, I mean, we were in a church, but out of a pastoral capacity has been the fact that we trained other men for ministry and that it's either or. Uh, but this, at this point, will have more uh, of a role. I will write in a pastoral capacity. And... Uh, we go to Spain as well because of God's providence in our lives. Since we speak the language, we know the culture. Well, 
Amy will need a, a year of uh, reverse culture shock. Uh, cultural acquisition is basically, uh, you can describe it the following way. You know, over here, you don't, you don't hug one another, kiss one another. Maybe down south, you at least give a, a hug. <laughs> or, I don't know, that would be one thing, but you break 500 of your thousand unwritten rules and habits that you have. You cook a different way. The grocery store, you do that a different way. Banking, go to the bathroom a different way. <laughs> take showers like there's so many things you you adjust uh, greeting one another and it it irritates you so I ideally what happens is first of all you have a gracious response but second of all you adapt well uh, in a way that as you struggle through cultural acquisition try to get the culture right but not only that uh, get being a Christian in that godless culture right and so that's that's a culture shock, uh, and I'll have to go through a four or five year process of acquiring good habits. So God's providence, we desire to go to Spain. We believe we can be effective missionaries as we go to Spain. And uh, I kind of skipped ahead here. Um, When we talk about going to Spain, our first year will be devoted to cultural acquisition. I'll be teaching because I already know the language and we'll be doing survey trips, scouting out a long-term ministry opportunity. It's likely that we would stay where we start. It's a very good possibility. Uh, There's a legitimate need there, Uh, but there's an agreement between myself and the guy whom we're going to help. Uh, This is a one year, we'll see how this goes, because we we need to get there and see if we can work together uh, in a church planning team. So we'll learn the culture. Uh, get, get the lay of the land uh, as we serve as well. I'll be teaching, preaching uh, in that local church and helping with outreach in the surrounding communities. That's year one. Year two and on, uh, we'll be committing to a local church, but also to theological education. And I'll explain a little more uh, of that uh, in the next slide as I talk about the, the first year, what we'll be doing there. So we're, the, the big thumbtack there on the screen is Alicante. That's where I went to university for a year. Uh, the church in which I got saved is there. Uh, the small thumbtack is where we're going, about 40 minutes inland. And uh, Amy grew up about uh, 30 minutes southwest of Alicante. So uh, we want to see if we can capitalize on the relationships that we have for ministry opportunity. We're joining a couple, David Bell and Maribel Bell. She's a Spaniard. Uh, he's an American, now a Spaniard as well. They've been there 24 years. Uh, he has a master's from the States. He earned a, a doctorate, a PhD from a secular university in Spain at which he teaches. So he's the solo church planter and also uh, he has a day job. And also he tries to do theological education and so he told me, you know, I've wanted to do more outreaches here and there, but I don't have the strength for that. Uh, there are several surrounding communities, uh, several thousand people in each community, and one of them stands out with a population of 20,000 people. They don't have any evangelical work whatsoever there. Uh, they have a Christian in that city, in that community, about 12, 15 minutes away from uh, the city they're in uh, that attends their church, and they're hoping to do evangelistic Bible studies, and so uh, we will join uh, that church, 
help serve there in my ideal ministry is to serve in a pastoral capacity, but also keep a part of my work plate open to do theological education. I've been invited by the pastor uh, from the church in which I got saved to teach in a theological education capacity. In Spain, they do that on weekends. And so uh, it's going a weekend. You teach five, ten, sometimes more hours, and students bring their homework back. And the several institutes I know of in Spain do it that way. Um, so I'll participate in how they do it. And uh, David, who we're going to work with, he told me I'd have other opportunities as well beyond there, beyond there in the country to, to teach. And uh, so, yeah, the town of Petrer, or city, has an adjoining city called Elda, and together they have 100,000 inhabitants. You couldn't tell them apart if it weren't for the names because they're stuck right together. And uh, there are three Pentecostal works there, and there's another church I was told preaches the gospel but is social gospel in practice, and then there's them. So there's only that. Uh, there's basically one sound gospel preaching church in that community. There are other possibilities uh, for ministry. Regardless of the possibility, what's important to me is this philosophy. You know, we'll partake in a work of church planting to eventually pass the baton on to nationals. So it's that philosophy that we're committed to, not just becoming a pastor and taking on a pastor in a church. So in missions, passing on the work to the nationals uh, has to be integral to a sound philosophy of missions. So we may uh, continue there because there's a, a legitimate need and help pass the baton on to locals there. Or uh, there are other needs, like the pastor of the church in which I got saved. He's early 60s. He has no one else coming up after him. And uh, he asked me to be the pastor thereafter. So uh, that would be, it'd be hard for me to be two guys on a team and then seeing that church just go without a pastor uh, there's another church I was invited to pastor with no pastor. There's another um, church planting team that uh, might be a solo church planter starting a new church. And so there have been several uh, outstanding invitations, not because of us, just because, like I said, there's a dire need uh, in the Spanish church. And so we will serve in church planting and also have a hand in theological education as possible uh, in the long run. Uh, for us, this is a career move. If the Lord comes back before, that'd be awesome. But if the Lord waits, uh, we're, we're making a career move as the Lord allows in his providence uh, and serving in Spain for a career. We hope to launch in November. We do need more support. So we're reporting to churches, but also raising more funds. And as God provides, uh, we'll leave, have a visa process in uh, those funds that uh, God in his providence will, will get us to Spain when he wills. Uh, we are booked through the end of August for now and half booked September, October, November, and uh, we'll see what happens. So this is not a hard date, but it's a, I think a good hypothesis, you could call it. <clears throat> uh, Pastor did mention, so I mentioned again, if you want to receive our prayer updates, please you could shoot me an email or sign up, write your name and email there uh, by the display. And uh, there's prayer cards as well. We, we very much covet your prayers uh, for God's work, knowing that God works through prayers. Um, if you have questions, I'd be happy to 
to answer those at this moment. I gotta, I'm gonna turn mine on, thank you. I'm gonna ask you a few questions. Perfect. And then you guys think of any questions you might have for Jeremy in the 15 minutes or so that we, we have left. So you guys were in Dominican Republic a total of how, how long? Five years. Okay. And during that five years, as you said, you were able to take that Bible Institute that you were invited to come and shore up, and you were able to do that. It went from around 20 students to about 70 students and all of the, all of the things you showed there. Mm -hmm. You were able to leave it in, thankfully, good hands yes. and in a solid position. And just to make sure everybody's clear as to why it is they're leaving, you mentioned this, but I just want to make sure it's uh, crystal clear, is that uh, Amy has uh, multiple sclero sclerosis. Mm -hmm. Yeah. and uh, was being treated by the one specialist there that they had who turned out to give very bad advice. And so there was, how are we going to have treatment ongoing? Uh, and then there was that whole mold problem throughout the entire country mm -hmm. that just made things worse. So we needed to find another place. And in God's good providence, uh, Amy's parents have been in Spain for about four decades. And so she uh, was raised there. You've been, you said you've been there for at least a year? A year. Yeah. So, you know, the Lord has opened up that door for them to be able to go and do the kinds of things you're talking about. And the kinds of things you're talking about are theological education. Mm -hmm. You want to do something similar to what you were doing in the DR. Participate in teaching, yeah, on it, top of And then capacity. there's all of these church openings as well. So you may be planting, you may be pastoring, you'll just, just have to see mm -hmm. once you get there. Is that accurate? That's, that's accurate. Okay. How much money do you need? What, uh, you said, you know, we're still trying to get, so how much monthly support are you, where are uh, you? 1150. So it's you need 1150. Mm -hmm. You're short 1150 right Correct. now. So you have commitments up to a certain number, but there's still $1,150 per month that chunk. you still need to garner before you go. Correct. And you've got these meetings set up through November, mm -hmm. and you're fairly well booked. Yeah. But, you know, the more meetings, the more possibilities there are, people will, will partner with you. Yeah. Okay. Very good. All right. Those are the questions I have. Uh, what, what questions do you guys have for Jeremy or, or Amy then? Sir, David, right? Yeah, you elaborate on the patron? Oh, patron-client? Patron-client is a Dominican. So it has to do with... The social structure is a rich and poor social structure. And uh, with that, within the country, it's very uh, natural. The way things work, for instance, a guy, and that's happened in many instances, companies will build homes for their workers because it's cheaper for them and they retain them that way. But that's because they don't give him enough to be able to buy a home. And so they have a favor granted by the patron, the company, and you honor them in return. I work for this company and so on and so forth. So you have a, a need for a relationship that's, uh, that's economically driven to a certain degree. And the whole society, though, works with that, that fabric. That's kind of a basic uh, fundamental uh, item weaved in the fabric of society. So you have a high hierarchy, a high power distance, and uh, you find churches will often have one or two patrons, maybe more, uh, wealthy church members that 
And you have, I mean, you have those socioeconomics here too, but you have a middle class here that allows you to be independent. You don't have that there largely. And uh, so you have that in the country, in the government, in churches, and from people there who have family members that immigrate and send money. So when we as missionaries come in, we're sent out as the poor missionaries and we're received as the, the, the rich missionaries. And uh, they see us as the white man with the means and we have more means than they do. So there's, there's truth to that. And we come from churches that can help establish things that they can't. And so uh, it's just, it's a completely different mindset where here you're told you're independent. You make it on your own, and over there it's like, absolutely not. You need to depend, and it, it sounds wrong almost, or maybe really. Uh, depend on others, like, what do you mean? <laughs> absolutely not. But that's how the, the society works. And so they, the fact that churches would take on uh, helping the school, that's been our struggle to establish that because of that cultural dynamic. And uh, we're pleased and thankful to see that a couple which I would call patron churches, more important churches, have recognized their, uh, their role there. So. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Um, I have not been a, a pastor. Yes, yeah. If I've ever been a, a pastor before, I have not. So... Mm. Yes, uh, through our mission board, private. So if private, I have to repeat the question. <laughs> if I, we belong to an organization that can receive funds from private people, yes. So our, our mission board written on the prayer cards. So, uh, yes, sir. And then another hand there. So the, talking about the curriculum of our, of our Bible college, right? We have a, a pastoral track and then a, a general track, uh, and you'll have uh, Old Testament, New Testament, theology, and you'll have uh, pastoral classes and other practical classes. And so Old Testament surveys, uh, expository class in the Old Testament, like Proverbs or Genesis, New Testament surveys, so, you know, foundational classes, and then some exposition classes. For the pastoral track, what uh, distinguishes it is expository preaching, pastoral leadership in Greek. And the other uh, track will receive maybe more counseling uh, and practical classes, uh, and so we'll have uh, evangelism and other classes like that uh, as an emphasis. Uh, yes, sir. So having to do with immigration and the area we're joining, is it mostly uh, Spanish or immigrants in the church? My wife knows the church more than I do. Uh, I'll let her clarify if, uh, if I'm off here. Uh, the church, so their church is actually a majority of immigrants. Uh, that's not uncommon. I don't know about the general city. I would say the population, 
the big hubs like Madrid, Barcelona have more immigrants in them. Uh, where we're going, it, it, there'll be immigrants, but there's also, it would be a majority in the city, of course, of Spaniards. But in the church, where we're going, uh, I think there's a majority of Spaniards, at least a, a good nucleus of Spaniards. Is that, yeah, that's right. So I'm, I'm correct there. Um, yep. Anyone else? No? Oh, yes, sir. So the comparison of the acceptance of the gospel between Spain and the Dominican. Uh, Spain is a very hard soil. Uh, we have to, it's post-Christian, you know, where the U.S. is kind of tendon, in its tendency going. Spain has been there for a while. Um, and they haven't had, you know, a, a past strong evangelical movement. The Dominican is, in my opinion, uh, you could when you say that word, it's kind of a buzzword and it gets direct associations with certain historical events, but it's kind of in a revival. There's a strong, growing evangelical movement in the Dominican. Uh, and in, in South America, there's a, a growing evangelical movement as well. And <laughs> people are religious in the Dominican Republic. They have a belief in God, which is a false God, right? But they have a starting point with God. You don't have to you know, start with, all right, your feelings don't dictate what truth is or you know, address atheism as being pushed, but it's not accepted yet. Abortion is, is not accepted yet. It's being, I think maybe it's recently started. And it was striking to me coming from a very secular context, you know, like hardly 2% Christian in French Canada, that uh, in the Dominican, I walk on the street, tell someone about Jesus, like, yeah, I know I need to repent. <laughs> like, what is that? It's like, I know I'm a sinner, but I, I just want to, you know, do the, the, like, wow. So there's a, there's a sense of conviction of sin, and yeah, God, God is working there. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, I guess, in some very different, very secular, very religious. Anyone else? Yes. So if Amy has overcome the exposure of the mold effects, is that? Um, yeah, Amy's done some treatments to help uh, get toxins out of her body, so some natural treatments. Uh, so far, she hasn't, her, I didn't know anything about MS. So MS, you have a, a lesser severe kind that's uh, relapse, and then you have progressive that's uh, pretty severe. So you have episodes of something happen, lasts a few weeks or months, and then who knows down the road uh, how long between those things. Uh, so she's only had her first episode. She's not had a further one. It has still been diagnosed based on blood work and spinal fluid and such. But we're grateful that she hasn't had, she's had other stuff go on, but it's been disconnected to MS, which just means, at least for now, I mean, we don't know what tomorrow has, but uh, for now it's been stable uh, by God's grace. I saw another hand somewhere uh, over there, Dr. Combs. So what's the general political situation in 
So uh, religious freedom, yes, they have had, I forget when, they've had a, an evangelical government-recognized institution established not too long ago, right, after the dictator. I, I forget the year that happened. And since then, there's been more freedom, but uh, I don't remember when that happened, but several years back, there's a guy who was passing out tracks and got a fine, like three or 5,000 euros, something crazy like that. So it would be like, what, four to $7,000. And he went to court, and because they have an institution, they're able to be recognized. But back in the day, during Franco and the years afterwards, the tradition, you know, in practice still held. There was a strong opposition to evangelicals, but I think in general, if you don't say too much, but we do, <laughs> uh, people are like, yeah, you know, it's no big deal, but there is a, a, a strong secular opposition to the gospel. And their government, I'm not a guy about politics, I try to, I try to avoid that. <laughs> Uh, it's important, but I, I wouldn't know how to answer all of, those, all of that. So I'll, I'll get to learn it. Anyone else? Are we? Oh, yes, sir. Yeah, so that if the church is evangelizing the Roman Catholics, yes, I mean, they, they have evangelistic efforts to whoever they're able to evangelize and get through. Oftentimes it's relationships, right? Uh, that you, whether a Roman Catholic or atheist, uh, whoever has a hearing ear to, to listen. All right, I think. Last one. Last one? Kim, right, right here. Last one. This one. Oh, yes. Can you give us an update on Olivia's? Thank you. Uh, yeah. So update on Olivia's health to many of you know, but our daughter was born with a in utero virus and it affected her, her health from birth. And the first few months we, she had a serious, uh, her neutrophil count was pretty low, so we didn't know if she's gonna live. And she's had further health complications with motor skills and only hears from one ear. But uh, for now, her motor skills have been improving. We've been practicing that and uh, she has a good ear, so <laughs> she hears well. And there's, you know, some challenges, but overall her condition is stable. So thank you for asking. Thank you for your time, and uh, I'll be... Hey, let's uh, thank Jeremy and Amy for being with us today. Okay? Thank you, and I'll be, I'll be there if you have further questions. And there, the table, and that's got the uh, prayer cards. And as Jeremy mentioned, on the back of the prayer cards are their email address, but also the agency through which they're being sent, Grace Baptist Mission. So if you do uh, want to support them uh, directly, you can do it. You can do it that way. Our church has supported them uh, since they went to the Dominican Republic. We're very happy to continue supporting them as they transition to Spain. And uh, we want to keep abreast of how you're doing with your uh, monthly support coming in, and then see what we can do to help you with that. It is intercity, but it's not, it's not great. It's okay. Not great. All right. And uh, so you have intercity on the back of the card then? Yeah. That's what, as you're sending? That's, that's okay. So there, he was 
they, they're sending churches intercity that runs Grace Baptist Mission, but their mission is um, Baptist Mid-Missions out of, out of Cleveland. But that's all on, the, all on the card. So let's commit to praying for them. Take the prayer cards, and as they make this transition, that they're able to get there sooner than later. Uh, these are uh, choice people. Um, we're very thankful for God's work in, and through them. Uh, and uh, bringing them to himself and then bringing them to a conviction to spread his word uh, abroad and to get the training necessary to be able to do the kinds of things that Jeremy has done and is looking to do all of that. We're just very thankful to have people like this that we can partner with to further uh, the Great Commission. So we want to pray for them uh, and as we close here. Uh, which I'll do. And then men, I remind you that if you can stick around then uh, and go straight back, straight down that way, uh, out the back door and set up the tent, we can do that fairly quickly. All right, let's pray. Our Father, we're thankful to you for this Lord's Day and all uh, that we've been able to participate in, to read your word, to hear your word, to sing praise back to you for who you are and what you have done. Thank you for the Lord's Day and the opportunity to gather as your people and to worship you. And I thank you, Lord, for sending your servants to us this day and for the blessing it has been uh, to hear from them, to see them, and to hear about your work in and through them. Uh, Lord, this is all about you as always, and so we give you the praise. We give you the praise for saving uh, Jeremy and, and Amy. We give you the praise for sending, uh, working in their hearts uh, such that they were willing to go and go wherever you have for them, and to go to the Dominican and lay the foundation that they have there for theological education, and the fruit of that labor will go on for generations to come or until you return, and we thank you for that. And now, Lord, we thank you for preparing Spain for them through Amy's family that's been there for all of these decades, and for them to, to know the language, and for it to be a really ideal place for them to go now and to put into practice what you have taught them and the experiences that they have. And so we ask you to grant them Godspeed, that they would get the um, money that they need uh, sooner than later in order to be able to go, and that when they arrive, that they'll be able to identify precisely uh, what church ministry you have for them, church planting, uh, leading an existing church, and then how they can engage in a theological education for those who want to partner with them to spread your word in Spain. So we thank you for them. We ask your continued blessing and guidance upon them. Go with us now as we serve you this coming week in the places to which you have assigned us. May we represent you well as your ambassadors. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.